Hi guys, welcome to the Macros Bodybuilding and Powerlifting Podcast. Say hi to Mark, everyone. Hey guys, I hope you're all well. And I just want to say today or this week, um, thanks very much for everyone who's watched so far. I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. Sweet. Yeah, definitely. Thank you guys so much. The people tuning in and hopefully it will only attract larger audiences and hopefully you enjoy this and in future and at any time. If you have requests for topics you'd like us to cover or specific questions, like we can do whole shows answering questions. Um, and actually, we'd prefer to give you what you guys want to hear than just randomly come up with ourselves some topics that we think are interesting, but we don't know if they're interesting for you guys. <laughs> uh, but something we are going to talk about today is nutrient timing, uh, because I think it's becoming more and more, especially in, at least with me and Mark and the people we see or associate with online, um, becoming more of a, a topic that people are talking about in terms of optimizing your nutrient timing. And to be honest, it's been a bit of a, a faddy thing for a long time in terms of like not eating carbohydrates once it's dark or after six, whatever it might be, or maybe having like nuts and meat for breakfast and things like all like your post-workout shake. All of these things are things that nutrient timing cover and that's something that we're going to talk about today. Um, so I'm going to let Mark kind of just talk about priorities first because I think we, we do it virtually every time we talk about these sort of like taboo subjects like supplements and stuff but I think it's worth reminding everyone always the priorities that we have. Yeah definitely. Uh, so we'll, we'll take uh, altering body composition as the kind of goal whether it's fat loss or muscle gain and your priorities for either one of them, whether you're trying to gain weight or lose weight, should be calories, total calories um, in a given day or even across the week. You really want to make sure that you've got your calorie intake under control before considering anything like nutrient timing. So when you're going to have meals or when you have to have meals, um, or even like cut off times. You know, you, you hear about people who are potentially worried about eating uh, carbohydrates after a certain time at night. Uh, none of that would matter if you had control of your calorie intake and it was set up like specifically to um, specifically for your own goal. So priority would always be calories first. Um, I mean, Steve, is that something that you would agree with? Oh, 100%. Calories, I mean, even for body recomp, like body composition and health goals and probably even, yeah, so, well, not even probably, sports performance. I like that you gave the context of body composition because that will come into things um, later on with nutrient timing. But for any of those things, yeah, calories 100% are going to be the biggest thing that are going to dictate the success of a diet right, without any kind of... <coughs> People yeah. are so confused by these things, but it's like, just look on the bigger picture. Don't miss the forest for all the little trees. Yeah. And even um, one thing I typically see with, with a lot of clients is they, they know, or at least they think they know when they're, or when they're supposed to have their meals, or they know, or they think they know when they're not supposed to have their meals, but they've got no idea of their like total calorie goal or intake. 
So they're kind of they're stressing about all these little details without having the fundamental things in place. So yeah, I would definitely say um, nutrient timing, priority, calories. And then, like if I'm working with a client, um, I'd probably suggest like, once you've got the calories under control, you know how many you know how many calories you're eating per day. Then next thing would probably be like protein. Um, trying to think about at least a protein target or a protein range. I know you um, are a big fan of protein or macronutrient ranges at least, and so am I as well. I really like that approach. I think it gives a lot more flexibility. Um, but again, I think it's people do just get bogged down with the minor details. Without understanding what their what their calorie goal should be, and that should definitely be the first thing they, they consider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so definitely the next thing after calories, like you were saying, is things like macros, and then probably protein most of all, especially yeah. for body composition, for health and performance. You might argue there's some differences there because if you are an athlete, then maybe you don't want to prioritize your protein first. Maybe it is carbohydrates, but you still want to get a good mix of these three and protein for body composition purposes is going to be number one just because it's the the best thing for retaining muscle arguably there's lots of things to be involved there and then um building muscle it is the building block um and what i was going to uh, what was i going to say i i I was just going to say when you talked about kind of people kind of not understanding it fully do you ever get people who ask you in the gym like have you ever had someone come up to you and be like what's your post-workout shake what protein are you on and then you might be like but are you asking this for any reason like do you know how much protein you're fully having each day do you know that yeah absolutely um (laughs) it's funny you mention that because (laughs) there's there's definitely been times in the in the past where (laughs) This is, it's so funny to think about this. Um, I would literally, and it's, it's so funny because I had no idea how much protein I was taking in. I had no idea of the calories I was taking in. Um, but literally, after my last set of whatever it was, I was downstairs into, yeah, and maybe even have it in the, in the gym with me. Um, but usually it was in the locker, and I, I've, hands up, I can't, I'm, well, I'm going to admit this now, I've came this far. Um, I've drunk a protein shake in the shower before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, but again, it, it, it seems so funny and so ridiculous now, but that's genuinely like, I, and, and that's why I can relate. And that's why kind of rather than making like fun of or, or, or pointing the finger at these kind of people, I, I'm much more, I would like to help them understand nutrient timing rather than like criticize what they're doing because I've done it, like I said, protein shake in the shower, um, just to make sure that the workout was like not going to be affected. Um, yeah, even though I had no idea of, like I said, total calorie intake, I had no idea what protein I was taking. Um, the only important thing was getting that like post-workout protein shake in <laughs> as quick as possible. Um, and of course, that you know, there is some merit in having post-workout uh, protein consumption for sure, um, like relatively close to your training session. And especially if it's something that's like convenient for you, if, if you've got time to sit down and have a post-workout meal straight after training, or even a, a, if you've got the calories left, or if, you've, if you're in the amount of calories that you don't mind like drinking a protein shake 
and having that liquid calories within a diet, then it's convenient, it's handy. But also, I wouldn't be getting too stressed or your post-workout meal shouldn't be causing you any stress. Like you shouldn't be like throwing your food down. Um, you know, if it's if it's going to be like an, an inconvenience or you're, you're hurried or, or whatever, I think you'd be a little bit more relaxed. Um, ideally, you know, that there, there, there are like recommendations that we could make to clients if they wanted to maximize MPS and maximize uh, muscle gains. Um, but like in the real world, um, I'd, I'd be more concerned of just like getting that total protein intake in across the day. Three or five protein servings would probably be sufficient. And that's what I'd be recommend, um, recommending straight off the bat. If it was convenient for them to have some post-workout protein intake uh, or, or consumption, then yes, definitely. That would be a consideration as well. But again, uh, nutrient timing is so less... It's just it's not as important as total protein intake mm -hmm. uh, across the day. Yeah, I think well, I actually wanted to touch because I I shouldn't laugh at you too much about the protein shake in the shower because <laughs> I used to I used to have protein shakes in the disabled toilet that was like on the same level as the gym after my sessions and I used to have them in there because I wanted to hide the fact I was having them from my friends because I was like I'm gonna get eke out every gain I can and you're not <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, That's <boring. laughs> yeah the sad thing is um at least one of my friends like one of my best friends to date was seeing better results than me and he didn't give like he didn't have a clue what he was doing either but he didn't care about the post-workout shake or anything like that yeah. and it just got well that might have been slightly genetics you don't know anything neither of us knew what we we're doing nutrition wise yeah. we were both training the same uh but yeah we we both, you and me, can relate completely to all of these like nutrient timing things. I definitely did, but I think I did all of them to be honest. Yeah. Um, I had the slow digesting proteins before bed, and but with all of them, there is some like underlying kind of basis behind it. It's not just complete yeah. rubbish, um, because especially for protein, uh, because it is <clears throat> the only kind of carbs can be stored, fat can be stored, protein doesn't get stored, so you do kind of need to keep replenishing yourself with protein and amino acids yeah. and so by having kind of a slow digesting protein before bed it can kind of slowly release them through the day but um the reason a big reason kind of nutrient timing doesn't matter that much and we can see it in real life is intermittent fasting mm. those guys they fast for whatever it might be like 16 hours and then have an eight hour eating window they control for calories, they might control for macros, and they see great results. They can build muscle, they can lose fat. It's not necessarily the most optimal way, yeah. but it might be for them because that restriction of that eating window really helps them kind of prevent um, overeating or sticking to their goals. So I, de I definitely think we've hopefully told the audience en enough that total calories king, then macros, then these, the nutrient timing is definitely a smaller detail. It is still a detail that's going to provide you better results if you can <clears throat> slightly improve your timing. Um, so in terms of your own like, intake, Mark, how do you base that? Do you have a certain meal frequency? Do you try and eat at certain times? Or is it just very flexible and just off the cuff? No, I, I, I do try and get like three to six even um, personally protein feedings through the day 
um, usually greater than 30 grams of total protein per meal. And um, yeah, but you know, I am I am one of these people. When I when I talk about people who've got busy lives and not they can't always like nail the nutrient timing every day. I can't I can't always give myself that like like you said that optimal intake. So you know, I've got clients that I need to uh, check in with. I've, I've got PT clients. I've got a, I've got a, um, a young daughter who's nineteen months now. Um, yeah, I, I just sometimes just don't have the time to really nail down that cert, cert, certain feedings. Um, so a lot of the times I do just kind of wing it. And although winging it, I still try and make sure that when I do sit down, I, I do have a decent, or I, for sure, I've got a protein something source at every meal. And that's really interesting for me. I, I think it's just because I'm so used to doing that now. I When I eat, I think, what can I... What can I have on the protein, uh, kind of thing? It's just that's just how I how I how I am now. Um, just get into that routine, um, and it's not until you see like uh, clients' food diaries or something, and some of their meals, like three of their meals a day, have got no protein or very little protein, like maybe having pasta or um, you know, low relative to like a lean protein source or or whey protein, um. It's not until you see that and you think, "Wow, like people don't consider protein all that all that often." Um, but yeah, three to six feedings a day. I do have a post workout, whether it's a whether it's a shake or a meal. And yeah, I kind of just just run with that. What about yourself? Um, it's interesting you ask actually because I recently changed mm -hmm. mine because I was having I'd been having five meals a day, but I'd basically been having I actually hadn't been having a morning, I've only recently implemented a morning shake, um, just a protein shake as soon as I wake up. Um, because during, whenever I diet, I basically try and fast for as long as possible till eating. Uh, but that was, I mean, if that allowed me to control my calories and it was the only way I could do it, then maybe, yeah, that's a good approach. But if I can afford to just drop in this kind of um, dose of protein early on, I'm yeah. gonna see probably more muscle retention or more muscle growth either way, just because I'm get, I'm giving myself a boost of MPS, which is muscle protein synthesis, if people aren't aware. And that's essentially growth of like of protein, of muscle. Um, muscle protein synthesis to muscle protein breakdown, the, the, the balance between that is going to give you your end result. So if you have more pro muscle protein synthesis and it's higher than your muscle protein breakdown, great, you're going to build muscle. Or if they equal out, you're going to maintain it so yeah anyway so i've been having this early morning shake then i'd have like a, a proper first meal before the gym go to the gym come back have a post-workout uh, normally type meal type thing something very small and then i'd have dinner and then i have something before bed but what i'd been doing was like <clears throat> the morning basically until after the gym i had it was like five o'clock and i'd eat maybe a thousand calories so i'd have like 2000 calories within like three hours or something absolutely ridiculous so i wasn't really like in my head i was like oh i'm doing my timing optimally but in in practice i wasn't so i've recently switched to having the morning shake have something at and because i'm unlike mark i'm really in control so i don't have any children i don't have any other commitments all i have is my job i train and then i come charlotte comes home and we have dinner together so i'm at home basically all day and can get in kind of, I can be as optimal as I can be. 
if I want to be. So I have the shake in the morning, um, I have that same meal, but then I have one before the gym as well. And then I have one, I go to the gym about an hour later and then have one after the gym. And then I have dinner with Charlotte and that's the last the day. So I tend to spread my meals, five feedings of protein. And I have normally three to five hours between each one. Um, and that is based off the fact that depending on your serving size of meal or, or protein, um, generally like three to five hours seems to be where kind of that muscle protein synthesis peak comes back down so you can peak it again. Because like you were saying, you aim for 30 grams, there isn't kind of, once you've hit that 30 grams for yourself, it might be that that's maximally hit MPS and any more than that isn't going to give you any more benefit. It's just going to kind of prolong the amount of time that it flushes out of you and prolongs digestion. So it's not wasted, but it's not as beneficial as maybe splitting a 60 gram protein feeding into two 30 grams, which would get you two kind of jumps in MPS, which is what you were talking about in terms of like your clients. And it's very typical for people to have like no protein breakfast, little bit of protein at lunch, big protein dinner. Yeah. So they're getting like these little flippers and then they're getting like boom up, but it's not as good as having a nice kind of dosing strategy through the day, which would be optimal. This is like the results over years and years and years would probably see you like a crew, maybe a, a couple of pounds more muscle, but over like a year, like you're going to see barely any difference. But if you can do it, why not really? No, I agree. I think, yeah, I, I, I agree completely. If you, if you are trying to gain muscle, and you're putting all the effort in the gym and this is convenient enough for you to consider at least then i yeah i would always recommend people think about um protein timings just because like i said if it's not too inconvenient if it's not causing any stress it doesn't cause me even even how busy i am during the day uh it never really affects me that much that i'm having like two meals a day two big meals a day. I, I can always get in three or five, six meals a day. I can always get in a post-workout meal, whether it's a shake or whatever. And uh, so, yeah, I would, I would, although it doesn't, although it's not going to have a huge effect on uh, gains or muscle, uh, muscle growth over time, I would still recommend that people at least consider it um, if it doesn't cause too much stress. Um, what about leucine? So, would you ever consider the like, like try and get like three grams of leucine, three five grams of leucine post workout? Is that something you consider? Um, yes. Yeah, so, the, there's good that you brought up the leucine because that seems to be from what I've read and heard about. That's like the trigger yeah. um, because you need that amount of leucine to give that initial response, but then you need all the other beat, like the, the other branch chain amino acids and essential amino acids to give like the overall MPS response. But the, the leucine's like that, the trigger is how people typically talk about it, isn't it? So yeah. um, I believe from what I've seen, if you have a high quality protein, so like a lean meat or like a dairy protein that has lots of leucine in it, then you need is 0.3 grams per kilo is going to give you that max MPS response. Whereas if it's like a mixed meal, so you've got loads of veggies in there, you've got other poor quality <laughs> sources, lower quality sources of protein, so like bread, gluten, um, pasta, then you probably want to shoot for 0.4 grams because yeah. 
of those lower quality sources. So I do tend to try and kind of either make my quality, like my protein sources high quality or get that higher amount, um, 0.4 grams per kilo. Um, yeah. That's definitely something people should try and consider because it's, it frustrated me. Although these, these are always minor details, which I like to remind, remind people that by having less than that amount, it doesn't mean you've not got a benefit. It's you're still yeah. hitting and going towards your overall goals. But um, it frustrated me because I remember making a post a while back, and you might rem remember this, Mark. I think it was like the protein uh, Snickers and Mars bars. I was like, these are 18 grams of protein. Like That's not enough to maximize yeah. your MPS response. How annoying. And I, it was like a, a, a piss take, essentially. Um, but in reality, like for people who are really trying to optimize it and that's what like they've bought this protein bar, they might actually be better off buying one that has 30 grams in or 25 grams in yeah. because yeah. they're not going to maximize their results via that one if that's what they're really trying to do. And that's minor things, but yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. I think, although it's minor details, I think people still like and enjoy, um, being educated in the minor details. I think, uh, yeah, but I remember that post well about the the Snickers and the Mars bar, and yeah, like one is one eighteen and one's like nineteen. I mean, like, come mm. on, like get a couple more grams of protein in this bar. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's um, yeah. I think um, <clears throat> minor details, but I think for most people listening, um, you know, we, we all want to build muscle, and we all want to try and do it as efficiently as possible. So. Even though these are minor details, it's definitely worth considering, as I said before. Um, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. like the supplements, isn't it? You, yeah. They're minor benefits, but if they're easy enough to incorporate into your lifestyle and they don't cost you too much money, then like creating monohydrate is almost a no-brainer because yeah. it's just something that's going to benefit you. Yeah, and, and, and talking about the, even, you know, talking about supplements again and talking about protein, um, feedings and protein digestion and then leucine if we understand that whole concept then it really does lead to like that education of what we were saying before about like the the, the branch chains and supplementing with them like if you you can then see why it probably is not necessary if you're having good quality source of protein post-workout or, or throughout the day um, you're going to be easily hitting your leucine threshold um um getting plenty leucine isolate yeah leucine's the one that kind of fires everything off then isoleucine i'm not exactly sure what like valine or valine however you want to pronounce that one not entirely sure how that what role that plays um in the process um but yeah you're going to be getting plenty of these with a high protein uh source of post-workout or multiple feedings through the day and then once you've got that knowledge then you can then realize like okay maybe i don't have to spend like 40 quid on these bcas uh, every two weeks so just by although they're minor details it's it's important to know one for um results and it can be financially beneficial as well because you don't have to go and like spend money on these expensive supplements mm -hmm. and for actually it's a point I made with my clients is some of them I like every month I was like I could look over kind of what your a general day looks like in terms of your your eating habits and I advise them when we start up kind of how if they want to optimize their protein feedings we can do it this way but 
people forget and it becomes a habit. <clears throat> so with one of my clients, actually with several of them, I was like, why, is there any reason you're like not eating anything until like one o'clock, 12 o'clock? Is there any way we can get you to have a shake first thing in the morning? Because if you're trying to build muscle, this will slightly benefit you. And I've had really positive responses from people like, they're like, oh, I used to like really not look forward to having to fast till later, but it's just a habit that I'd got into. And now I look forward to waking up and having my protein shake. So they're not even like they're happier for it and they're getting that extra benefit. And I think for most people, like having three meals a day and if they spread their protein through those meals, that's a really effective strategy. If they want to do anything different, they maybe could add a post-workout shake there as well. Yeah. And then that, like that's, that's a really effective strategy and it's not that difficult for most people to try and practice, like get into practice really. No, I love that. In fact, that's actually how I would, would coach it to people. Um, I'd really like to see people try and get in that uh, three meals per day. Uh, yeah, three proper protein feedings per day. And then if they wanted to increase it again, yeah, a post-workout shake or post-workout feeding, whatever it would be, would be the next step for sure. Um, and yeah, like 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 it's it's amazing when when these things do become habits. Like you said, you often do get positive feedback. When I get food diaries from from clients um <laughs> you know they, they're they're always quite happy to send them off a really positive week and often you know you, you're looking at the food diary and you're really struggling to see where this where this protein is coming from um and then just like a gentle reminder of like you know well, it like you said is there a reason you're you've maybe fasted for this amount of time is there a reason you're not like you are you struggling to eat this protein? You don't like you don't like it. You know what's happening, um, and often it's got nothing to do with that. It's just that they haven't considered it because it's not a habit for them. They don't go in their fridge to prepare a meal and think, "What protein source will I, will I put on my plate tonight?" It's just like, "What food what will I grab?" Mm. Um, but yeah, once we can just, if we can get clients to, and this is both fat loss and muscle gain clients, like specifically. If we can get them to just think like trying to obviously get calories under control, that's the big one. But then just try and prioritize protein pretty close behind that and just get them thinking about it first. Um, often there's such a there is a big uh, difference in results. And um, whether it's for muscle gain because they're really stimulating that MPS throughout the day, or whether it's fat loss because they're more satiated. Um, once people start to prioritize protein, it's a game changer, and it's such an important macronutrient for body or body composition, um, whether it's muscle gain or fat loss. I'd 100% agree because often I think you could even say to someone, okay, we're gonna not do anything different, all we're gonna do is aim for this total protein intake, which is probably higher than what they've ever eaten before, and then we're gonna split it into like four feedings through the day. And because you, like you said, protein is kind of highly satiating and like there's been feeding studies where people drop out because they can't possibly eat that much protein and it's crazy. So just by making them eat a highly satiating food and lots of it throughout the day, they're probably by default going to fall within that calorie allowance. But that also shows that, that the calories are overall the absolute key thing to have in place. Yeah. Um, I think we've talked quite a lot about protein and hopefully people have really understood the importance of it actually the last thing i wanted to talk about on protein 
um, was the recent study that's come out, um, which was really, really good because I think there'd been two studies before it where they'd looked at pro like post-workout protein um, and Alan Aragon and Brad Schoenfeld did a great review and they found out it had very minimal, minimal effects, um, especially if you'd kind of, most people have eaten beforehand and there's the, the protein still being digested. So the post-workout didn't seem to matter too much. But what they did find after this one, which was after a full body workout, so you're obviously in the gym, muscle protein breakdowns going on, and you're using your whole body, so you'd expect maybe more muscle protein breakdown has happened. So then after the gym, they found that they needed to have 40 grams, I think it was, of whey protein, um, whereas in the past, 20 grams had been enough to maximally stimulate MPS. So it kind of gives us guys as practitioners the idea that maybe we should tell people to have, if they are going to have a bigger protein feeding, it should be after the gym. This is one study, and I think you're the same with me, Mark, that we don't put too much like emphasis on one study, but it might, if it's e another easy thing to change, then maybe it's something we'll think about. Definitely. Yep, absolutely. Like, just the same as what we've been saying, if it's not, if it's not causing too much stress, if it's convenient, um interestingly it is only one study but nevertheless interesting anyway and something that if it doesn't cause any more inconvenience then yeah let's let's think about doing that um and if we're having a bigger protein feeding like you said we'll consider and we'll have that one post workout awesome um so yeah apart from protein <laughs> now I wanted to get your thoughts on other timing. So whether it's timing of fats or carbohydrates, because I know, well, there's been a lot of weird talk on these sort of like taboo things. So like carbohydrates, not eating them after six, um, or like maybe having a fat and protein only breakfast, which seems kind of quite different to that one. Cause it's like, you don't have carbs at breakfast. You're not allowed them at night. It's kind yeah. of controversial, different. Um, <coughs> do you have, do you think there's any reason to time carbohydrates or fat at all? Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that, Mark? Yeah, I um, unlike protein, where guidelines are fairly like general um, to some degree. I think carbohydrates and fat, not eat, not just total carbohydrates and fat in a person's diet, but the timing of them is going to be so individual. Um, some people like to have. Um, a lot of carbohydrates pre-workout um, for the energy. Some people don't have any carbohydrates pre-workout because it makes them feel bloated and kind of like lethargic and like they want to go to sleep rather than go to the gym. Um, I think I think you'd probably be, you'd really have to be working with a client one-on-one -on -one. Um, and rather than coaching systems, like coaching the, the individual with that, um, finding out how they feel. They could maybe, if it's a new client, um, they've never really considered these things before. They could maybe have um, like a trial week or trial couple of weeks with with just basically testing how they feel. So have a have a pre workout meal. Um, don't have a pre workout meal. Um, have some carbs before bed. Have some carbs in the morning, and just kind of play around with how they feel um, with that intake. Um, yeah, that's probably how I would. I would coach the the carbohydrate timing. Um, same with fats. To be honest, I, I off the top of my head, I, I couldn't really see like any reason to specifically program them in certain times. Like I would be suggesting the protein. Mm -hmm. I love that. I absolutely love that you'd spoke about <clears throat> the fact it's there's no kind of absolutes about it, and it's just 
it very individual, highly individual, in fact. I've had, and I think it's a really good idea for people too when they eat meals or if they have like good training sessions to think about what happened that could have led to that mm. or like where I actually, it, weirdly, um, I'd been having the same <laughs> breakfast for a very long time and it had roast onions in there. And I knew roast onions could be like a trouble food, so I removed them and I hadn't been having the issues anymore. It's basically toilet issues. Don't want to go into too much detail. And uh, yeah, since removing them, I feel so much better. And just like little things like that, just noting down how is your body doing off what you're eating and like if there was any time you felt particularly energetic in the gym, did you do anything with your diet? Um, but I do have the, yeah, a lot of clients I find, especially when they're fat loss clients, find like backloading their carbohydrate intake before bed seems to work pretty well for them because something to look forward to probably and um, it has been shown to help people sleep but then some people feel really stuffed and bloated and it's the same like you said pre-workout some people want those like drips for the workout it's probably quite a placebo whereas other people like will have it and they get a crash and uh, i think it's yeah really individual i think the only thing i might say with fats is that maybe you don't want to have like a really fatty meal before the gym um, just because that could upset your stomach. But again, I think that's going to be individual. Um, <coughs> and then fiber intake, again, you might not want to have a really fibrous meal just before the gym. But again, I can see that being individual. Some people really deal well with it. So, um, But I think maybe for sports performance specifically, then you might want to think about more kind of timing becomes more of an issue especially if they're like training multiple times in the day but for the people we're working with the people probably watching this podcast they're not really concerned they're not probably training twice a day they're probably going to the workout after the gym uh, after <coughs> work or they're doing it first thing in the morning and they're just doing it then and then not later but if if you are doing kind of multiple sessions through the day then you're going to want to think about more about your carbohydrate and your protein timing because you want to restore glycogen and things like that before the next workout but for most people absolute non-issue that no one should really focus on apart from their total intake like carbohydrates after yeah. 6 p.m or like at night please like I, I think most people realize that's not a problem anymore man i don't know that's a popular one that's that is one that is just not going away uh it's different from everyone some people seven some people six but generally at night um seem to think there's some kind of fat storage overload uh, with carbohydrates um whereas now it, it's it's obviously we know that if total calories are controlled it's not the case and in fact uh anecdotally myself if i'm dieting and i'm trying to lose body fat i know if i save a meal or a carbohydrate um kind of base meal for uh, later on the evening before bed i am so much better on the diet um adherence wise just because i know i've got that meal coming up mm -hmm. um even if it's 40 or 50 grams of oats with some berries or chocolate whatever it's i just know that it's coming um and yeah because typically i do i would fast like in the morning um within a dieting period i know that i've got that carbs coming up I really enjoy that. So that, yeah, I, I, I find myself having that same conversation with clients a lot, um, particularly beginners. And it's amazing how they cling on to that. It's very hard for people to accept that, well, actually, you're not going to just start gaining weight because you've had um, 
or you might well gain weight. You, you probably will gain weight, but it's because you've just got food in your stomach. It's not because you've like accumulated any more body fat. Um, and yeah, it's really difficult for people to let that go, especially when they've that's all they've known. So if you've got a you know if you've got a thirty six year old male or female, and all they've known for the past ten years is that carbs after six make them fat, and then they come to you and after one consultation, they're not going to change their their mind. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a process to try and educate them and um, yeah, get them feeling comfortable and confident that they're not just going to start um, gaining weight. However. For some people, leaving, I've found this with just by working with clients that um, it's sometimes an idea for people not to save calories for evening because they like lose control when they start to eat them, um, and they can't just have one scoop of ice cream or two scoops of ice cream or whatever. It turns into like a a mad binge. So sometimes having their like evening meal, their last meal, uh, is a is an idea for them. So again, it's really really individual how we coach people on. Again, it's kind of just like coaching the individual and not like coaching like a system. Um, you, you talked about sports performance. That's a different ballgame altogether. And um, obviously there's, there's guidelines and considerations for people who are concerned about sports performance or multiple times training. For most people that we work with, they're probably only training once. And that's resistance training. They might be having like a cardio session whenever. Um, some kind of steady state cardio but for most people they're going to be like in the gym lifting weights once per day and probably no real reason to like what about quickly re replenishing glycogen or having like dextrose or all these things um i don't think it's really necessary for our typical client yeah it's it is just so individual <clears throat> the whole kind of binging thing i can completely relate to people doing that and the fact is kind of, people often almost starve themselves mm -hmm. so then they are super hungry in the day and that actually has a detriment effect to their, sport, like their actual gym performance then. And there's a real balance there and that's when, yeah, you really have to get really hands-on an individual decline and even with people online. Um, and this is why we have to have such a good relationship with all of our clients. If yeah. they're one-on-one, -on -one, like you have people one-on-one, -on -one, every single one of my in-person clients who are not in-person <laughs> online clients I have to have a real relationship with them so that yeah. they feel like they can tell me everything because if they're struggling and it's a literally just a simple thing like they're saving all of their carbs for, before bed and they're starving in the day and they their gym performance sucks they need to change something because um, I actually found this with recent one of my clients who said they normally train fasted first thing in the morning and but they had this one opportunity where on a Sunday evening they could train and they were like had a coffee and some like food before it and it was like it was <laughs> I think they even said something like it was it was really quite a lot of trouble because I was doing so many more reps with the same weight and I felt like I couldn't stop it like for my past workouts weren't like that at all and I was like that's not a trouble that's amazing yeah, and yeah. Um, I was like every time now we train we need to try and give you some fuel um, even if it's just something easily digestible, just something small, because we know how much of a benefit that has for you. Um, which again, fasted training is something different people have different responses to. Some people really like it, other people can't stand it. Mm. Um, and I think a, a lot of the time you just fall into, you'll eventually fall into habits and routines that your body really likes. Yeah. Um, but something that is interesting is that when you do change your nutrient timing, you will notice it because your body has like, it's called your circadian rhythm. And so you release ghrelin, which is like a hunger hormone, and it releases it in like pulses throughout the day. 
that it knows it normally eats. So you'll find you get hungry at the same times every day. So if you are trying to switch to like an intermittent fasting approach, it's going to be really hard if you've gone from eating five meals a day. Um, so that you can try and do the whole, I, I think I quite like protein fasting. So if people are trying to do the intermittent fasting approach, just have like protein feedings before it. Yeah. Um, because at least then you are getting that benefit of the, the amino acids coming in throughout the day. Um, I don't think I've got particularly anything else to say about nutrient timing. I'm sure there's like there's so many taboo subjects and things we could be talking about. But I don't think, apart from what we've said, I think if people apply the things that we've talked about, I don't think anyone could really go wrong. No, I agree. And I agree that it's it's so individual and that people, like you said, quite often they just kind of stumble across what works best for them, kind of trial and error. And a really important message that you brought up was about having that relationship with clients and then for them to be honest with us because um, it, the honesty is going to be a, well important for us to be able to coach them properly, first of all, and they should be able to tell us anything. You know, if they, if they could do everything on their own, then they wouldn't have like a coach. Um, so it's really important to get that relationship and know that person as an individual so they're comfortable to tell us everything and then we can coach them like to the best of our ability. So that's, yeah, that's really important as well. And yeah, mate, I agree. If people start putting these little, if they haven't already been considering these things uh, or, or maybe even overthinking these things. So like if they've been trying to, um, or, or if they've been avoiding carbs at a certain time, or they've been fasting for a certain amount of time. So if they've been dieting and they really, really want to maintain muscle mass, which should argue, okay, reducing body fat is the main goal in the fat loss phase, but you also want to retain as much muscle as possible. If you've been fasting for until one, two o'clock in the afternoon and not having any protein feedings, you might not be doing yourself like um, much favors there. So if people have not been considering these or making these timing's more complicated than have to be and they kind of switch it up and put it into practice kind of things we'll be talking about yeah i think that would be a that would be a great start i definitely think also as you get more advanced these these little nuances these small things mean more they matter more because you've got so many little <clears throat> ways you can really like when you're a beginner virtually anything works even if you go and train then you're probably still going to accrue muscle mass even if you haven't got your nutrition on point Whereas for us guys who are more advanced, even intermediate trainees, guys who have been training for a few years, you're going to have to try and you, and if you really want to maximize your muscle mass, you're going to have to try and do as much as you can. And that's what we, we want to help people do because we are coaching people to get them the best results we possibly can and work with them. And I think if you're also a client, not of ours, who's watching this and you've got a coach, then like really use your relationship with them get the most from them because if you give them more information they can help coach you in the best way um because as coaches ourselves if we don't have any information to go off we can't change our approach we can't try and help uh, we just assume everything's ticking along nicely exactly and don't be scared to question either like if you've got a certain protocol and you want or you're not sure about then um you know don't be don't be worried or embarrassed or anything like that to ask or question the kind of methods or the approach um you know the coach whoever it will be should be able to like give you a pretty comprehensive answer to why you're following like a certain protocol uh so yeah mate that's 
nutrient timing. Oh, and also, obviously, to go along with nutrient timing, doesn't really matter at all if like the training stimulus isn't there. Training stimulus is like number one. So get in the gym and train first. <laughs> like um, you're not gonna like you're not gonna start having six protein feedings a day and just grow muscle like not training. So yeah, training stimulus, nutrient timing, calories, protein, macros, and take it from there. Yeah, we're saying this assuming you're training yeah, because yeah. if you're listening to the bodybuilding and powerlifting <laughs> podcast, you're not doing either of these things. I worry for you. Well, no, I yeah. don't worry for you. I just hope you are training because, yeah, like Mark says, it's kind of like the, the, the ignition to the, the car and then your nutrition's the fuel to get you going. So, like, you can't have one without the other. You're not going to get – you're not going to start building muscle <laughs> because you are eating – like maximizing MPS, like there's just no point even trying to do it. Yeah. Um, that's a great point you touched on, Mark. Um, yeah, I think that's a wrap. I think we're good to go. Uh, thank you everyone for tuning in. I'm gonna hopefully have this on iTunes really soon. Is there? Please subscribe. Please tell other people about it. Please give us a review, a rating. That'd be really appreciated. And like I said, if you've got any questions, topics, you can catch me or Mark on Facebook. We don't mind being contacted on our personal profiles. Well, do you mind, Mark? No, not at all. Anytime. Personal profiles is cool. So Instagram, we're both there. Snapchat, everywhere. Um, just give us a shout. We're very, both friendly and approachable. So yeah, and we'll get those covered. So cheers, guys. Take care. Thanks, everyone.